Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Community Conversations. Uh, today, we are very pleased to have a very good friend of Conquer TV here, uh, Chris Eamon, the Executive Director of the Boys and Girls Clubs of Central New Hampshire. Chris, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Appreciate it. And of course, uh, Conquer TV and, and uh, Boys and Girls Clubs go way back at this point in time. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, literally the entire uh, how, time. So yeah, how many auctions have we done at this point? Twenty-five. I, I would not be surprised. <laughs> okay. Yeah, probably more. I mean, yeah. it goes back to when we started the auction. Somebody was filming that. So. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. doubt. It seems like you've been around for a lot of them at this point. Yeah. I mean, almost half. It feels like. But um, no. I mean, the auction's probably going to be forty-eight years. I'm 50, so the auction's like just a few years <laughs> a younger than me. I was kind of looking at it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. But, but of course, we've been friends in many other ways. We've been happy to, to work with you guys on a number of projects over the years. And no, we know great. you guys have been a little busy these past few years with the pandemic and, and uh, some of the, the activities that you've been doing. For people who might not know, Boys and Girls Clubs of Central New Hampshire, what is it that you guys do? Sure. So service-wise, we provide services for infants all the way up to high school. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's child care for the younger ones. Mm -hmm. They're there with us all day, uh, five days a week. And then our traditional after-school programs, which is really what people think of when they think of a boys and girls club. And then we also do summer day camp programs, which, we're, of course, we're entering into uh, fairly soon here in about a month. Um, Mission-wise, it's really broken down into three areas. Uh, one is, is really safety, and I kind of call it, it's the recipe, that, that adage. Uh, safety, has, you have to, the kids have to feel safe when they're in the building. Mm -hmm. It's not even a matter of the parents going, oh, I know it's safe. The kids, when they come in, safe from bullying, um, that kind of stuff, online bullying uh, and real bullying, old school, in the yeah. hallway kind of stuff, when the adults aren't paying attention. Um, but they also have to, be, they have to know that the adults there are safe for them uh, as well, so we do a, a pretty extensive screening process, as you can imagine, right. and the supervision of all of our employees is, is pretty intense because we want to make sure that they're they're doing the right thing at all times. And then you talk about so you're talking about the employees, the consistency. Uh, we can't have employees coming and going. No business can survive that way anyway. But when you're working with children and trying to legitimately change their life and and be a positive impact, you can't do that if you're just there for two weeks or you're there for a year and then you take off. Um, so you know, we, we pay as best as we can. We've got great benefits. We want to make it a good working environment, all in ensuring that we've got that consistent, compassionate, caring person that's going to make this a career and be with the kids and watch them literally grow up. And then the final thing, if you've got those two first things, is giving them opportunities to try new things. And I'll tell you, we serve all kids. You know, you get kids that have an array of challenges, whether it's economic, emotional, social. And then you get the happy-go-lucky kid that comes from, um, you know, basic background, um, like you know, many of us did, and they need, just want a place to hang out with their friends. Right. We're good at working with, 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 with both of those, um, but the opportunities for the kids who might have had some challenges in life, really what that can affect is your self-esteem. So you're not willing to try new things. And I've always said that, that one attribute or trait, whether it's a new employee or someone going to college or whatever, um, that, that minor risk-taking role that certain people have that aptitude for, sometimes will differentiate you as a candidate, saying, okay, this person is willing to do that. This person's willing to try public speaking. Mm -hmm. This person's even willing to try for the job to begin with. 
and all of those opportunities that come along at a Boys and Girls Club, but then in life, someone needs to be there uh, maybe to encourage you on. Uh, but if you lack that basic um, a sense of uh, security and confidence in yourself, um, that can really deter you from trying to, trying to take advantage of that. So we work really hard at that over the years to kind of build that up. And I always kind of stop off with saying, you know, there was always someone in all of our lives, whether it was a coach or a teacher or somebody, that said, hey, you know what? You ought to try it. You ought to go for that job. Or, you know what, I know you think maybe you're not college material, but have you ever thought about this? Or you ever thought about doing that? And th those small discussions that might be five minutes long are long, you know, life-lasting and, and can literally change a kid's life. So that's, I, that's a lot, but that's in, in a nutshell as far as what we do. And then there's just an array of programs that we offer to fulfill those three areas. That's fantastic. And I imagine that, have you found that kids are experiencing even more challenges now in these recent years. So resources like having mentors, having, having uh, adults that they can go to, being able to socialize with their friends in real physical environments, is, that's a game changer, I imagine, in some places. for. A I think in the past several years, ever since social media and the internet came along, um, when people literally stopped interacting with each other, and I guess from a from a need standpoint, yeah, you can FaceTime somebody and you can FaceTime all your friends at the same time and, and don't have that need to go over to their houses. But um, we're human, and I think someone is doing a study right now, I'm sure, of the impact and the difference of do I, and we know it, just meeting on Zoom versus meeting somebody yeah. in person <laughs> like this. You will never, ever duplicate that human need to be able to interact in a personal, live basis. Um, and for kids who maybe never knew that because they grew up during the pandemic and came into being, so to speak, at five, six, seven, <clears throat> those social-emotional skills are probably lacking or, or, or lagging a little bit because they didn't have that. And they were, they were lucky enough to have a lot of siblings and maybe some close friends that the parents felt comfortable having them over as time went on. Um, that helped mitigate that a little bit. But I think we're going to see an impact. Uh, it, it, you don't need a big research project to kind of guess that 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 must have had some negative uh, impact there. But therein lies the opportunities, and that's why the club had to remain open. It wasn't just a basic childcare need, but it was kind of fulfilling that need of, you know, parents were just thrilled to say it's nice for them to come here during a pandemic and see somebody mm -hmm. and hang out and have somewhat of a quote-unquote normal existence because it's not normal to be penned up in your house and uh, looking at somebody on a screen. Right, very, very true. Now, so, Early learning, school age, summer camps, couple of, you know, three different main areas. And then, mm -hmm. of course, how many communities are you, you working in? Well, we have now? 25 service sites. Uh, some, wow. like Concord, have multiple service sites, mm -hmm. uh, three child care centers. And then uh, we're actually uh, just uh, merged with Penacook, which I think we'll get into in, in, yeah. in a little bit. But um, actually, in Lacon why don't we get Laconia, into right we have now. several service sites as well. Yeah, so uh, the Penacook Community Center, like us, has been around for 70 years. Right. I love the history because. Uh, like the guys right after World War II must have moved into Penacook or moved back to Penacook after they did their <laughs> service and then built the community center by hand. They, oh, wow. I'm sure they dug the <laughs> hole and there's pictures with wheelbarrows and mixing the cement and pouring the foundation themselves. Uh, and it took five years because uh, slowly but surely they raised some money, put up some bricks, mm -hmm. closed it off, raised some more money the next winter, 
And so it really was the local meeting area. There's some quintessential pictures of 1950s dances and sock hops. Oh, so it was kind of nice. always like the focus of that community. Mm -hmm. And then they got into child care after. It probably dawned on someone somewhere along the line, hey, mm -hmm. you know, you got this building here. Uh, we need some after school programs for kids. Uh, would you consider doing that? And then they started early childhood themselves. So as far as like a partnership with us, it just made sense because they right. were basically doing the same amount of um, work that we were kind of doing with the same age groups. Uh, but as often happens, and particularly with the pandemic kind of exasperated this, it wasn't necessarily a lack of money. It's also a lack of talent out there to be able to run these organizations right. and have enough staff. Um, and stuff that people don't think about with any business, you've got to have an accountant. You've got to have someone with HR, particularly with all of the safety things I was oh, talking about, yeah. background checks and the process we need to do. You've got to have someone taking care of the computers, you know, <laughs> all of that stuff. In smaller organizations, it's just as expensive for them to do that as it is, as it is for us. So uh, taking them in was great. Um, you know, it's... Um, Certainly not something we planned for, but we're like, you know, we're ready for that. We, mm -hmm. we built a, an, an infrastructure that could take that on. Uh, but now we're in the middle of a capital campaign. Because mm -hmm. the other thing, I had literally not set foot in the Penteco Community Center since I started, and I've been here for 22 years. Uh -huh. I remember meeting somebody, a bunch of uh, <laughs> officials here at the Penteco Community Center when I first started. Um, and I walked back into the building, and I remember thinking, you know, we, we do want to honor the past and be respectful uh, of, of, the, of the families that built this place, but... It, it's just not up to code. Mm -hmm. uh, and we brought in a, a team engineering, which is an engineering firm. It came in and did a thorough analysis. And they're like, you're, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars mm -hmm. just to kind of bring it up to a point where it's going to be a 21st century, barely a 21st century kind of facility for the kids. Uh, so like, you know, I, I, I think that's enough evidence. We, we need to just take this down and start over again. We're going to have to address parking, as, as, as the city would know. Mm -hmm. um, so we're off to the races. We've raised about half of, uh, I, I'm hoping it's going to be $4 million. I think anybody doing construction right now knows that that might not be the case. It might be more. Mm -hmm. um, we've raised about $2 million. We've got uh, quite a few uh, requests out there in the community and uh, government support to, to help round that out. Um, we've done capital campaigns in the past, so that's kind of another thing that they got with merging with us is we, we know how to do this. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're working with architects and milestone uh, uh, construction who built a lot of buildings in the city uh, they know what they're doing so we're looking to start uh, spring 2023 that's and uh, hopefully when we open we will have a 9,000 square foot facility that'll uh, service uh, 46 early childhood early learning students mm -hmm. and about 45 after-school program uh, age kids and then we'll have uh, we'll still plan on having programming in the schools themselves uh, just like we do at other communities, it helps with some of the overflow. And some parents like that option, mm -hmm. the kids not having to get on a bus and go to a, go to a different facility. So for me, this is all fun because it's kind of like what I like to do. And the donors are really excited about supporting the effort. The city of Concord's very excited about being a part of the, uh, of the effort. So that's, that's it's all How good. is the city of Concord being part of the effort? Well, we've been in initial discussions on having a, a library annex there. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about it. and I've kind of read mm -hmm. about it in the papers of, you know, Pentecook's always wanted um, kind of an area to, to kind mm -hmm. of call their own for the library services out there. And the, the librarian approached me and I said, you know, this is perfect timing. We've just started meeting with the architects and the site mm -hmm. engineers. We want a dream. Let's do it now. That's great. Um, so we're still working our way through on um, 
official kind of city approval for that, but I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's uh, out of school to say that we're definitely having some very serious discussions. And, and I think that would just be a great part of what we're trying to offer there. It mm -hmm. is the Penteco Community Center and to right. honor that, that community feel to it. <clears throat> having a library extension there, that fits right in. Kind of makes sense. And, you know, they've proven that that's something that can work over at the uh, citywide community it, center. Exactly. Too. So it's not like we're so. treading on new ground here. It's, it's already been done. That's excellent. I'm sure the people in Penteco <clears throat> really appreciate the investment, too, that you guys are looking to Absolutely. Make. And what's nice about this show is, is it's Concord residents. Everyone appreciates and understands that it's, a, it's, it's always been a city of villages and neighborhoods here. Mm -hmm. And uh, to honor that, because people are like, you know, Bradley Street, the building that we rebuilt 10 years ago, mm -hmm. is really not that far from Pentecook. But mm -hmm. it may as well be in the next city, you know, as far as people's loyalty to, a, to mm -hmm. a program and to a neighborhood. And so it was not much of a discussion to say, yeah, we, we want to stay in Pentecook and we want to rebuild this building mm -hmm. in Pentecook and keep it for another 70, 100 years uh, for, for the residents of Pentecook. So. That's fantastic. That's cool. That's yeah, I, I really love that kind of keeping with that neighborhood aspect. And, you know, keep it where the kids are. Absolutely. Really. That's awesome. So um, now if people wanted to get, with all these different programs that you do to support uh, kids in our community, you know, some adults might want to have some idea before they, you know, decide to help out or something like that. And I've heard now that you've got this new program called the Discovery Hour. Uh, yes. What, what is that? Discovery hours, uh, there's two forms of them, or three, I guess. One, you actually take like a physical tour in the building itself. Okay. But I warn people ahead of time, you can go to any building, any after-school program, and walk out and maybe still not get a true understanding of what's going on. So when you're taking that tour, it's really a tour of the mission of what we do. So we'll talk about the safety. We'll talk about opportunities. We'll talk about the adults that are there. And you'll hear it from three distinct stories about individuals that have gone through the service or are currently using the service. So it, it, it humanizes the whole thing. I, you know, I can talk about 1,200 kids a week. And after a while, it just people can't relate to that. But right. what they can relate to is a parent talking about their child or a staff member talking about an infant that had actually some pretty severe developmental delays at that point and catching it early and getting some intervention services so that kid is now on track when they hit first grade. Mm -hmm. That, I think everybody can appreciate the value of, oh yeah, and maybe I know as a parent, I wouldn't have known with my first infant if that kid was on track. You just don't know. You don't right. know what you don't know. Right. And having intervention services and experts in your child care center that can do an analysis say, yeah, and have that relationship to be able to sit down and go, I, you might have talked to a pediatrician about this, but this is what we're seeing, and can you go talk to that pediatrician again, and we can help you get some services. It's, it's huge. So discovery hours are just that. It goes into that in-depth as far as the day-to-day -day stories from individuals of what the impact of the program is. And I, I mentioned three ways of doing that. So the first one is visiting uh, maybe the New Pentecost Community Center someday or um, Bradley Street or any of our facilities. Another way, of course, we can do it on Zoom during the pandemic. We're like, okay. We're not going to stop doing these. People still want to learn about it. Mm -hmm. um, it. Very effective in that because it is about the stories, whether you're at the building or seeing it on Zoom uh, in the comfort of your own home, perfectly fine. The final way is sometimes people are like, you know, I have, a, I have a meeting with my staff. It's about an hour. 
why don't we take one of those hours and have you come in and talk to all 10 of us at the same time? Because my company would support you uh, and it would make it a lot easier if all 10 employees would take a little time to learn. Yep, dog and pony show, about 45 minutes, we can kind of come in and, and do that. Um, the one thing we do, and because I said, you know, the, the, and people are like, okay, is this fundraising? Ultimately, yeah, but only if you want to go to the next step. There is okay. no point, we are not going to bug you. Um, what we do is we do call, and I always say 10 people will break themselves up into three distinct groups, and I think the viewers need to know. Mm -hmm. One are the people that call us before we've even had a chance to call them, and they're like, that was amazing. I want to help you. It sounds like you need help with this. How can I do that? Well, that's a person that's basically telling you, I want to call me. I, I, want, to, yeah. I want to participate in some manner. Others are like, you know what, that was wonderful. I support the Boy Scouts, some other worthy, great organization. Like, this is great. The gift you gave us is your time, and now you are aware. And they may tell somebody else, hey, I can't do anything with them, but you know what, this would be good for you. That gift of passing that on to somebody else is, is huge. Mm -hmm. And then there are people that just <clears throat> are not interested, but that's okay too, because you're telling us something that you're not interested. Mm -hmm. And from a nonprofit point of view, I'm not going to bug you, because why would I? Right. You've told me you're not interested. And people just have to trust us that that really is the way, because I know people get nervous when they come and they're like, okay, they're going to yeah. keep bugging me. They're the keep. That's, not, that's not the purpose, because if we did that, people wouldn't go to these. Right. They'd say, hey, don't do it. They're trying to trick you. Mm -hmm. That's not what we're trying to do. You know, just like they, that commercial, the old commercial saying, an informed consumer is our best consumer. Mm -hmm. An informed donor is our best donor. People that really understand the mission right. of the club are going to want to give, and they may want to give more. So that is really the whole purpose of all of this, is so people get a full understanding. And the best when we know that we've done this right is when people call back and they're like, you know, man, I thought I knew about you. I went to the boys club because it was a boys club back then. I had no idea you were doing all that stuff. Right. Now. It's like, okay, that, mm -hmm. thank you. Because we, we, we want to convey that, that message that it is completely different now. Right, yeah, um, yeah, because I think a lot of people doing. in their heads, it's, you know, it's the place I went to play basketball. When basketball, I yep. And right? Nothing and wrong with that, and we still play basketball now. <laughs> but uh, in shoe pool and all the other mm -hmm. things. But, um, but, but things like that early infant in intervention and stuff like exactly. that that you're not going to get. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and you get the real picture right. of what's actually going on. And that today's club, you know, um, it's not just in the inner city. We're in Hoppington, we're in Sutton, <laughs> we're in New London, mm -hmm. we're in Holderness, New Hampshire. You know, people yeah. don't, don't think about that. Yeah. They don't think there might be a need in those communities. But there's a real need because a lot of, of those communities are commuter communities yeah. and both parents and are working. And sometimes those kids so are even they, more they isolated. they need something. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. That's, that's amazing. So uh, if I wanted to participate in one of these dis discovery hours, what's the best way for me to do that? Uh, the best way to do that is just to contact me at this okay. point uh, or John Clay, who is our development director. Excellent. And our, our uh, website is nhyouth.org. You go on that, you can get to us. That's excellent. Now, um, so summer camp programs, are those filling up fast at this they're point? They're filling up fast. There's some yep. waiting lists at uh, a couple locations, but there still are a few spots. Uh, so I always encourage people. We... Um, we get all the early enrollees in February, and then we get this wave of people, I'm not kidding, like the week before camp is about to start. Of course. And if we have spots, of course we'll accommodate you. 
but we we don't want you on a waiting list. We want you in camp, and we want you to be able to participate. But you know, <laughs> don't, don't don't wait. And and what what can parents expect their kids are going to be doing at these summer camps when they're they're participating? Um, we do trips, not as many as we used to. Part of that is COVID. Part of that is a transportation challenge. But um, you know, we do want to get the kids out of the building okay. and seeing other parts of the state. We do a lot of state parks because there's a lot of stuff you can do there, uh, and it's affordable. It's the other part with us is we're trying to keep that price point. I could charge $500 a week, and we could take the kids all over the place and mm -hmm. rent a helicopter, you know, <laughs> and that would be pretty cool, right? But <laughs> most people are like, that's ah, a little rich. I can't afford that. Right. So that's the reality of how you're trying to do all of this, uh, and we all know how much gas is costing right, right now. So. But we do want to take them out of the building. We do want to get them out there to see new things. Some kids always amazes me. Every summer, there's always one kid that's like, never been to the beach. I'm like, that's yeah. amazing. Grew up in New Hampshire. Yep. It's an hour away. So you get that that kind of scenario where, of course, you want to get that kid there. Sometimes or to some of the lakes. Never been to the woods. Yeah, you know, so we've got a lot of, we're lucky here in New Hampshire, a lot of mm -hmm. beautiful lakes and streams and rivers and stuff to do outdoors. So we want to take full advantage of that. And then some kids are like, nah, you know, I'm content to, I want to stay here. I want to do this. We've got, so the, the gamut could be puzzle day, could be game day, breakout, I call them the old school games, you uh -huh. know, the Monopoly, the chess, <laughs> checkers, uh, that kind of stuff. Art mm -hmm. is always a big deal. Um, and then you're like classic kind of summer mm -hmm. camp games where it's a little dodgeball, a little softball, that kind of thing. That's fantastic. But I've, fun. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, the kids are there to be with each other and have a good time. That's awesome. So. For those of us either without kids or even with kids, but want to further support, whether it's the capital campaign or just um, club programs in general, what what have we got on the? I know there's always some great events <laughs> coming up with the Boys and Girls Clubs. So, what are some things uh, that people can do to, to help support? Well, we have a golf tournament up in the Lakes region uh, coming up, and of course, I just forgot the date, but uh, Tanya's going to kill me. <laughs> and then we have. Um, we do have a, a what's called a concourse. It's a car show, uh -huh. and the cars here. I honestly don't know how to even describe them. Some of them are one or two of a kind in the entire world. And oh, this wow. donor has a collection of about 150 of them in this farm in Samerton, New Hampshire, and this will be the fourth year that we've done it. Um, and it's like going to a car museum, except all of these are registered, and he can drive them. Oh, wow! And then he invites his friends, who also have. Classic cars. When I say classic, you're talking the 20s, the 10s, the 20s, the 30s, like the real Art Deco, beautiful, classic, almost handmade kind of vehicles before they were mass produced mm -hmm. like they are now, uh, kind of vehicles. And it's a car show. So there are awards for some of the winners. And mm -hmm. um, these same cars you will see at Pebble Beach and some of these other ones you watch on TV where they uh -huh. just get, you know, all these rich people. It's just <laughs> jet setting in. It's that caliber right oh, wow. here in New Hampshire. And he does this fundraiser for us uh, because he loves the Boys and Girls Club. And then the uh, night before, we do a gala kind of dinner ball. This year's theme is going to be James Bond. So people kind of like to dress up and do that thing. It's a blast, and it's right on his property. This is how much he cares about the community. He took an indoor horse ring, which is an Olympic size. So if anybody doesn't, it's like three That's swimming pools, it's, it's gigantic. <laughs> Had it converted to basically an indoor uh -huh. space where we can 
accommodate 250 people. That's built a stage. They don't make the cars do the little jumps that the horses do, though. No, but <laughs> it's big enough that some of his cars are in there, so you can look at them while we're eating and having oh. a good. It's just a, it's just a blast. It's basically it's just fun, um, fun night out. And of course, all his cars are on display. You know, the night before the show, um, those are coming up. And um, we also have um, what we kind of call our Champions for Kids mm -hmm. breakfast. Uh, one will be in June. Uh, the other one will be up in New London. Mm -hmm. And um, you can get this all on our website, nhyouth.org. And that I'll, it, that, I'll be honest, is that is when we ask people to actually consider. So if you're going, mm -hmm. it's different than a discovery hour. That is right. when we actually ask you to consider making a pledge or a gift to the Boys and Girls Club. So. But it's also a good time just to hear other things of, of what we've been up to. No doubt, no doubt. As we're talking about the auction, one of my favorite things is just hearing about all the different stories about what's going on with the kids, what's going yeah. on with the club, and what's, how you guys have persevered through some challenging times here and actually stepped up to the plate in some challenging times here to, to be a resource for parents and for kids. Well, as I was saying before, I just could not imagine not being open. It just really didn't enter my mind. You know, when the governor shut down all the schools, I, I was up in Laconia at a community meeting trying to figure out what we were going to do. And someone said, we got to turn the TV on. So we're sitting in this, you know, crisis management room at the fire station. Right. Just going, did he, he just shut down all the schools? And one reporter came up to me and said, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I just heard about this myself. But um, the knee-jerk response is, no, we're going to be open on Monday. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, we were, and it was. It was a ride. go there for a second. <laughs> it was certainly a ride, but um, but the intent was there. Well, Chris, it's always a pleasure to have you here. We always appreciate what the Boys and Girls Clubs do in Central New Hampshire here. So, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Appreciate what you do, helping us spread the word. Ah, well, we always love love doing so. So, so thanks for coming in, and thanks. To all of you for uh, watching or listening this episode of uh, Community Conversations, and we look forward to seeing you next time.